0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Garden Gossip, the home and garden show, with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody.
1: Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Garden Gossip Show. Today, we're super excited to welcome Stephanie Rose. I mean, she's got the best name if you're going to Mm -hmm. go gardening. She's a master gardener. She's an award-winning author of a number of books, her latest being Garden Alchemy, which came out in 2020. And her new book is coming out mid-February. It's called The Regenerative Garden. It's hard for me to say that word. Regenerative <laughs> Garden. Any <laughs> Practical Projects for Creating a Self-Sustaining Garden Ecosystem. It is a freaking awesome book. Beautiful that's. photos. I mean, you just mm-hmm. look at all the plants and the butterflies and you want to get in there and get your hands dirty immediately. Very easy to read and follow through. It's just inspiring, exciting, exciting, uh, so go to GardenTherapy.ca, her website, which is also chock full of information on gardening and doing it in a sustainable and regenerative way. <laughs> I'll get that word down. So again, GardenTherapy.ca. So welcome, Stephanie. How are you?
2: Oh, I'm great. You, we have to practice regenerative, 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 regenerative.
1: I, I something. We did a segment on regenerative tourism and travel <laughs> which is they were talking about this and it was about Willamette Valley mm-hmm. Oregon so not too far from mm-hmm. you I, yeah I yeah you. I've been there I love it see mm. and she's like it's regenerative and I'm sitting there we're talking about wine and I'm like I swear I haven't gotten through the wine yet but I can't say it <laughs> but, but well, it's very interesting how this word is out there now and it's basically going beyond we all know sustainability but this is really taking it that extra more than one step forward and beyond yeah. that
2: Absolutely. And actually, it's funny, because uh, when I first wanted to write this book, I wanted it to be called the regenerative garden, I wanted regenerative in the title, because that's what the whole concept is about. And they put it through the publisher's board, and they talked about it. And they said, you know, we're not really sure that people are going to understand what that means. And so we would, you know, like to call it the resilient garden. And I was like, it's not a resilient garden, though. This is not. a It's it's beyond sustainable. Well, it Mm. is a resilient garden garden absolutely Mm -hmm. meaning that it's a garden that can can withstand
0: Mm -hmm.
2: uh, and bounce back from whatever's thrown at it but it's more than that it's more than sustainable it's more about it's more than putting back what we're taking out and creating something that can bounce back it's about building an ecosystem that thrives on its own without Mm -hmm. the human input
1: I love that yeah I love that because it's also We've done so many shows, not just on Garden Gossip, but also the Nature Connection show, and a lot also Mm -hmm. with the National Wildlife Federation, where uh, David Musijewski would talk about creating these certified wildlife habitats, so you're gardening to attract wildlife and beneficial insects, but he really got me, was he was talking about how we are creating dead zones in our environment, just within our own neighborhoods, by not planting Mm -hmm. the right thing, it's like we're having dead zones in the ocean, with all the harmful algal blooms, so really having your, taking what we have, even if it's our backyard. We don't have to have a monster garden, right? Like in size to do this. This is, could be our patios even. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: I don't have a monster garden. I live in a small, um, I live right in the city in Vancouver, BC, Canada. And I'm on an urban lot and our lots are very small here in the city. Uh, I mean, we've got mountains on one side, ocean on the other side. We, we don't have a beautiful. lot of room to expand. It's beautiful. Yes, it's absolutely mm, beautiful. Sounds beautiful. I mean, not on on my house, but I'm talking about the city of Vancouver. We, mm-hmm. We're right on the edge of, you know, the of Canada and like Vancouver is right on the port so we just don't have room to expand our lots are really small and so in order to create the kind of um, you know big concept gardens that I create I do it in really small spaces so everything in the book is meant to teach the concepts of regeneration and give you project ideas that can be scaled from a balcony you know to an urban sized garden like mine or a larger homestead Mm -hmm. landscape uh you know even the suburbs things like that because you're right these dead zones are um Mm -hmm. it it doesn't give wildlife it doesn't give um all the creatures that we share our space with places where they can um, stop and get a rest and have some food maybe have some nectar before they're on their way right what even one of the projects Mm -hmm. that's in the book is a butterfly pathway so it's I about creating that. little mm-hmm. spaces where butterflies can stop in their journey, especially my on uh, migration journeys. And, you know, uh, you know, we often will find creatures like bees in our garden that are thirsty and tired. So providing them with water and providing them with spaces where they can rest and and uh, even sleep for the winter, like bug hotels and things like that. There's See, so it many is a ways. hotel with a
1: restaurant. That's really bug what you're hotel, doing. I
3: like <laughs> it. it, it
1: it's, it's a hotel a with an on-site <laughs> restaurant, a drive through you know, you, that, I love it and it's it's so easy and I think you're right about the scalability but also everyone's in different uh zones what we're learning traveling the country across America is we've been doing a lot of botanical gardens rose gardens and we're seeing that they are starting to add in butterfly weight stations and things like that Mm -hmm. so they're kind of going hey we're going to do something even some of our rest areas on highways are starting to put in pollinator gardens which I think is really cool But it, it when you see those kind of moves happening, that's great. But we're also seeing with climate change that microclimates are actually shifting. And they probably will. The more we you know fight off the dead zones, things will shift. So do you feel that with regenerative <laughs> regenerative. regenerative gardening that we can um, help the climate and keep her a little cooler. Oh, absolutely. So the book is divided into a bunch of
2: uh, six different chapters, and they're all concepts that work together. So it's a project book, DIY projects that you can do in your garden, but each chapter builds on this concept a little bit. So you get an idea of the different pieces that build a regenerative garden. And one of them is climate. So Mm -hmm. it's soil, water, plants, climate, ethics, and community. And community Mm -hmm. is what we were just talking about when we're talking about our wildlife that comes and visits Mm -hmm. our garden. But Instead of calling that chapter wildlife, I called it community because it's not just about the creatures that come and visit our garden. It's also about the people who we live with in our communities and sort of building that social structure as well. (laughs) But when we come to microclimates, absolutely. Um, We all have changing climates and they're changing day to day. Weather is no longer a great predictor for what what a 30 year average is in Mm. our area is no longer something that we can count on because things are so different all the time. And so part of that chapter has a, the ideas of how to work, how to understand your individual climate, and then how to work with it in terms of creating spaces that either harness the energy, so harness the heat from the sun, protect from cold, create windbreaks that help to, you know, a large windbreak, a, a row of trees or a hedgerow um, on the outside of a larger property, or even smaller hurdles, which are uh, woven willow basket type uh, structures that you can put in a front of, of individual vegetables. Mm -hmm. So yes, we have, we have to recognize the changes in our climate, but the more we get to know and observe day to day, we can start to build those systems that work for us rather than depending on a 30 year average.
3: Mm -hmm. I really have changed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hope that communities will look, um, at the amount of pavement and I know we need sidewalks. I understand that, but I also think with careful planning that you can offset, the bad part of of the heat that rises from the sidewalks and and the covering of the ground.
1: Uh oh! I knew oh, it! I knew Nancy. So Nancy. this is Nancy's pet peeve and rent. Go go do it, Nancy. When we lived out in the high desert, tell tell her Nancy Nancy has a pet peeve. What? Which the one mulch, means? the gravel, people covering their soil oh. with. Yeah, I,
3: and a lot of gardening books say put down mulch. They say that gravel is a mulch. I'm not, not in the desert. It gets hot, and you can feel that 10 to 15 degree hike in temperature if you put gravel. And, Absolutely. And You're yeah, so right. And, and so, to me, it's like let's go back to a natural mulch. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, I wrote about both of those things in the book. So Mm -hmm. like, it's so great that you're bringing this up because Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like this is a book of answers for some of these questions that people have. Mm -hmm. I have a list in here of 13 different kinds of mulch that you can use and why you'd use them. And some of them might surprise you like snow. Mm -hmm. I remember when I wrote it, the editor came back to me and said, you wrote snow as a mulch. And I'm like, yes, I did. (laughs) Because in some cases, leaving snow on your garden beds actually helps to insulate and protect Mm -hmm. the soil and the plants underneath. And, you know, it's but again, it's about learning about what's best for your environment, you're not going to truck in a bunch of snow and put it in the desert as a mulch. And in the (laughs) desert, you might want rocks that heat up depending on what kind of garden mm-hmm. you have. But if you've got plants that need to retain moisture and don't want all that additional heat, then mm-hmm. rocks aren't going to be the best option for you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something that's more cooling for the soil. Right. So yeah. I also wrote that in the climate chapter. So all these things are interconnected, which is why you can see on the cover of the book, it's a circle and everything is a different color. Well, each chapter is represented by a different color and we see how they all work together. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, There's no just one answer. It's about opening your eyes, looking at those things like you did, Nancy, and saying, this is not working it doesn't make do sense do
3: <laughs> and and also because a lot of gardens um especially older 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 gardens um there's a lot of exotics and they have a whole different uh requirement scale than than native
0: gardening so membership fees apply after free trial cancel any time can i be real for a second that goal you have to exercise and eat better
3: planting things that don't really survive without extra, extra special care uh, in, in your garden. So if you sit to native plants, it's a lot easier to garden.
2: Absolutely. Well, and and I've got some stuff in here about like how many native plants should you have, and Mm. there's no should. I write the book Mm, based on a good, better, best um, Mm -hmm. system. So it gives you some ideas of what you can do that will make small changes. The the worst thing that we can do is create such lofty goals that people can't do the things that they love, and they Mm -hmm. can't employ these practices, and Mm -hmm. then they just sort of back away. You don't need to tear your
1: garden out either. You don't need to go in and say, that's no. I've got I've got two ornamentals take them all out you no. can work it together and just plant the right thing by the right thing right
2: exactly I mean yeah. it's so funny be- that you say that about um, planting things because here I am in Vancouver BC and you know what a lot of people have planted in their gardens is palm trees palm trees really palm trees wow. yes And so they've got Christmas lights around them and they wrap burlap around them and they look terrible in the winter months when they're trying to protect them. (laughs) But the thing that we've learned about palm trees is that we have a whole beautiful row of them. The reason why people are drawn to them here is we have a beautiful uh, row of them along English Bay, which is right on the ocean, because Mm -hmm. that microclimate is absolutely perfect for those Mm -hmm. palm trees to thrive. So they thrive naturally. They get dressed up in Christmas lights during the holidays. And it's just this like really fun thing that we have these palm trees growing naturally in Canada. So people wanna put them in their home gardens. They don't quite have the right systems for it. They don't have the right microclimate. And then they have to work really, really hard for those to survive. And so part of a regenerative garden is something that requires a lot less human input. It's like those palm trees that are at English Bay We don't have to do anything to maintain those palm trees. So they're in their right place, even if they're not a native plant. Mm.
1: That's interesting. And you also have, and by the way, going back to mulch, I love that you called it living mulch because Mm -hmm. that's something, you know, we learned actually to just leave leaves and let everybody grow in there. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we also, when we had the the desert garden, um, we got rid of the gravel and we planted vines little ground covers yeah um Mm -hmm. we allowed the wild natural grasses to come back once we amended our soil our soil was terrible yeah it was it was was it was all chemicalized from when the house was built years ago nobody had amended it when we bought the place so we amended the soil with poop Mm -hmm. and um, (laughs) horse well and you talk about that too so i want to get into (laughs) that part of it but we got rid of synthetics and we didn't put any nasty chemicals or whatever but we also wanted vegetables and fruits mm-hmm. and we said well we're going to do what we want to do and we we let um cantaloupe grow in among the cactus among the wildflowers and mm-hmm. the native grasses and it was absolutely some of the best cantaloupe we've ever had yeah. so we mm-hmm. grew things the way you know what I mean and it was really cool we had all the birds in the neighborhood came and hung out but all the hummingbirds and mm-hmm. so you can kind of mix things too and I think yeah, that's can. But I loved your, your whole idea of good, better, best, because it should be fun and creative right. and we should learn to work with mother nature and coexist and experimenting and having a guide like your book really helps. I think kids would dig that to go out and not, this is just the, don't move the vegetables into the, you know, I don't, that's not fun.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing to think of all the food, the, food, fresh food and vegetables that we wouldn't be able to grow. if And herbs, I get, you know, wonderful herbs in my garden mm. because I've got a lot of herbscaping. And it's just, you know, like we wouldn't get those same sorts of medicines. We wouldn't get those same sorts of nutritional plants. Mm. We wouldn't get those same sorts of, you know, just delicious things that are fun, like the most delicious cantaloupe, if we stick to mostly native plants. So it's, again, Mm. it's like doing the best that you can and providing those natives so that we're providing food and medicine to our wildlife that's, that needs those plants, Mm -hmm. but also finding other things that grow really well for us in our microclimate that don't need a lot of input and can naturalize and provide us with the you know joy and nourishment that we need
1: that's the other thing you talk about is intensive Mm. planting so i was like okay she's going in what's going on (laughs) (laughs) she's getting her tractor yeah (laughs) no
2: like i mean again i'm in an urban urban space so it's the concept of intensive planting is to uh you know it's partially what you're saying about the living mulch it's about interplanting plants between plants it's creating a polyculture Mm -hmm. so we don't have just you know a row of all one kind of plant that's producing something but instead we've got you know 15 different kinds of strawberries that are dotted Mm -hmm. throughout the garden so that we're instead of you know creating one big space that we cover with nets and we try to you know fight for the strawberries with the birds we can walk through the garden and pick a strawberry here or there and then some creature can go and eat the strawberries themselves and they're beautiful they protect the soil they have nice shallow roots that uh you know that feed on that top soil of Mm -hmm. um, nutrition and Mm -hmm. keep the moisture in um there's I mean so many benefits to just finding the ways of planting things in between planting different varieties finding
1: the things that thrive Hmm. It's it's yeah. neat. We were just at a we did a pet sit. And everyone, this is what we do as we travel, as you know. Um in <clears> Tennessee, <throat> East Tennessee. And um it's a beautiful, I mean, it just normal suburbia until you get into the backyard and they got chickens mm-hmm. and they've got a, <laughs> an over a hundred year old apple tree. Like oh. these old and they were falling these antique apples and berries and just mm. beautiful trees. And then in the center, she just did this giant garden, but it's not that giant because like you're saying, it's, it's you know normal mm. lots. And she grew um, flowers, like sunflowers in amongst with the tomatoes. And it was just this beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And the birds came in, but here's yeah. her vegetable area, but they went in for the sunflowers instead of eating all, you know, she had this balance of everyone's gonna eat And then you were talking about community, so that's community. You can give extra produce to your neighbors, your human neighbors.
2: Yes. Absolutely, mm. and some of the projects in the community chapter are about, um, they, they really bloomed in this period where we've uh, had to stop thinking so globally and start thinking more locally as we are, you know, working from home, staying at home a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's amazing that you're doing so much traveling. A lot of us have been home for mm-hmm. a couple of years now, and <laughs> in our communities, I noticed my community in particular has just opened their doors to community sharing. Um, there's lots of online groups things like Facebook sharing groups and buy nothing groups that exist but it's these seeds that little libraries like little free libraries urban farm stands <laughs> things like that that are popping up so if you've got a lot of extra produce you could set up a little or vegetables and fruits that you've grown in your garden you can set up a little urban farm stand and bag some things put it out front and let people just either you know, take what they need. They could donate to charity, they could pay you for it and you could use it to continue to build your seed supplies and do your passions of being a backyard gardener. Um, Oh, see, that's cool. Yeah, That's there's cool. a lot for cool. urban flowers. People who just love to grow flowers start urban wow. flower stands. So, another urban um, gardener friend of mine, you know, again lives in the city on a small lot, and she has a little flower. Um, CSA. And she has a flower stand right beside her little free library. And so we featured that in the book on how to build it and the structure of how to, you know, become sort of this like mini flower farmer or larger scale flower farmer where you're sharing out in the community, beautiful flowers that brighten people's day, her donations go to charity um but she gets the joy of build, of growing the flowers and you know all of the wildlife gets the joy of being able to feed a nest in her in her beautiful garden nice. we we I um like did a,
1: a farm set and we're going back we're going to play two months of, of farming again which was awesome because i think so what you're fun. doing like you're saying scaling i think this is something where we're going to change what's happening to our topsoil across i mean that yes. that's huge with all the monoculture mm. monocropping cultury things mm-hmm. happening um but we did this mini farm as a hobby farm and they have they had turkeys they have guinea fowl and chickens and all of that but she had put in two large vegetable gardens every morning i'd go in and harvest and i'd play with spiders she'd get photos like here's your spider of the day here's the orb weaver and <laughs> then we, we, we what was it um what are those things, cicadas? <clears throat> and then I've got, yeah. I found, I mean, all these cool new bugs and things. We saw hawks and it is, was this, hands awesome. off you go. Mm. And we would, we were doing okra and peppers and all kinds of cucumbers and zucchinis. And I mean, to all kinds of tomatoes and heirlooms. And I was learning things that I, you know, I did not know that this has to be this way and how you had to handle them. So who got refrigerated? Who didn't, who needed to be air dried? It was like this whole Learning yes. about the color changes of the peppers and, and then twice a week take them to the food bank, which they actually helped set up. And the one day I went, I ended up in line with all the people by accident getting the food. And you wouldn't believe. Um,
0: Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you.
1: I mean, the need for people, and I mean of all Mm -hmm. walks of life, because of especially during the pandemic and job Mm -hmm. loss, how many people were there and they were getting fresh eggs. They were getting not, you know, it used to be a food bank was here's your can of stuff that isn't good for you. Mm -hmm. And now they're actually getting food that has, minerals and vitamins and sustenance Mm -hmm. and you know that that's helping kids and it's fresh it was one of i say one of the best experiences we've had because of that
2: absolutely Mm -hmm. and you know it's nice that you're able to get into line and experience that because one of the things about promoting this level of community is that we want to take care of everybody and it's it's definitely about you know, looking to those that have socioeconomic factors or different opportunities or job loss or whatever that's caused um, Mm -hmm. them to, you know, have a need for something like a food bank. We all have a need for community sharing that we've kind of moved away from. And so even if you have a vegetable garden full of food, when somebody drops off something that they've grown to your home or offers something or you're able to offer something, that feeling of giving and receiving is something that we've really gone away from in our communities and we need to get back to so that we're 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 growing not just we're not just improving our topsoil we're not just improving our plants and our our homes for our pollinators but we're improving the homes for ourselves creating that kindness Mm -hmm. yes showing kids how to share within a community Mm -hmm. yes
1: maybe they'll grow things later and actually now eat their vegetables right nancy Nancy will eat your broccoli. We'll eat- <laughs> <What>? <laughs> <laughs> but I it was. What? I think that's cool. But that is regenerative. I said it. Yes, um- <laughs> you said it. You said it. You great. Did. Um, I have I have so many
2: books I have so many books with these crazy names. So my previous book was Garden Alchemy. I love and, that. That's a And good people hour. struggled with Garden Alchemy a little bit. Uh, I think one right before that was Home Apothecary.
1: Okay, so- oh, like that. <laughs> that, that. Well, no, but see, but this is what I love about you are doing. Uh, you're making beauty products, herbal products, soaps. Mm. You're teaching people. I mean, if everyone you go on our website, there's all kinds of things to get involved with right away. Um, but you're showing what we can do from gardening and growing and herbs. I did research, I'd say about 10, 15 years ago, I got really stuck in, cause a friend was gonna do a project on growing herbs cause she was all into it. And, and unfortunately she, she, she had death in her family and all, and I'm like, you need to go and do this. This will really work. And I got so involved in herbs and plants, medicinal flowers that are almost gone off of our planet i mean we need there, there's rare ones that used to not be rare like certain and depending on what area you're in that need to be cultivated and you could make a profit doing it i was telling her I was like look if you grow this and this grows really well here you could actually sell this and she's like oh you know i got all into it because we actually do have a need of bringing some of these herbs back i think we've kind of like it difference between an heirloom and, you know, our antique fruits and vegetables. I think, isn't that the same thing with our herbs and and those kind of things?
2: Well, heirloom is something that's been passed on from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, we have many, many uh, heirlooms that have gone extinct because we're Mm -hmm. not saving them. And so we need to find those ways to, you know, keep those, you know, those heirlooms, keep those Antique, keep those historic Mm. plants, um, those medicines, keep them growing and yeah, not let them fall by the wayside. So seed saving, yeah, that's another way of doing it is you know finding those plants that are meaningful to you, planting them, saving the seeds, uh, sharing those seeds and sharing the information on how to grow them in your neighborhoods through something like a seed sharing library. So that's again, mm-hmm. another community thing that you can pop up and put seeds in um, along with some information on how to grow so that maybe somebody who's never grown those before could uh mm. could start planting them in their garden and find that same passion
1: see i'm thinking everyone for holidays and birthday gifts start giving give the book the regenerative garden yes, I've got yes this i want to ask can you tell us your story of how you got into gardening was this something when you were a child that you always did how yes. did you get into because i was going to introduce you as the martha stewart of gardening <sighs> oh she's gonna come after me now her job <laughs> yeah, are gonna get me all right <laughs> well I mean
2: yeah I wasn't a gardener when I was growing up um we, I lived in the city gardening you know my parents both worked for corporate jobs I didn't really have that access to um to gardening I uh, then did my, myself. I went and I worked in a corporate job and sort of went to business school and did that that same sort of thing. It never quite felt like something that worked for me. That nine to five in an mm. office thing. I, I I kind of struggled and knew that I was drawn to nature. Um, but then one day in 2006, I got sick. Oh, immediately mm-hmm. overnight, I was disabled and I wasn't able to get mm-hmm. out of bed for almost two years. Uh-huh. And I turned to gardening as the thing that I used to rehabilitate my, rehabilitate my body and my mind. Um, It was, I I say that gardening saved my life because it did. Mm -hmm. And, this evolution has happened over many, many years. I started with, um, a really, uh, my body was after two years of being bed, I was really weak. And, you know, my mind was also quite weak from all that. And gardening yeah. strengthens us in our body. It gets us outside, um, uh you know sort of feeling the soil and breathing the fresh air and feeling the mm-hmm. sunshine but also it's so scientific and there's so much to learn so I got every book from the library sat in bed and read them and then went outside and started with just five minutes a week because that's all my body could handle and wow. I moved up to five minutes a day and I just kept testing things I got books on growing perennials and trees and shrubs and mm-hmm. herbs and and vegetable plants and I uh, I started a charity garden in my front garden I joined the Vancouver master gardeners group and did that training and that's I'm it's that was like 12 or 13 years ago now that I've been a master gardener and I work with children in children's gardens. Cool. Um, it was just it was learning how to grow hmm. everything through experimentation. And that's when I found herbalism and permaculture, I found the healing power of plants, not just through growing them and eating um, healthy foods, but also what we put on our skin, the Mm -hmm. soaps that we use, um, the herbs that we can add to our, you know, our daily lives beyond just um, eating them in our foods is really healthy. When I realized all the stuff that we were putting on our skin that could be you know, very hard for some of us to process through our organs, then mm-hmm. using natural ingredients was something that I found really healing and helpful for me and totally improved my skin, my hair, like how I felt in my body. Um, so I started writing about that as well and sort of became a organic skincare formulator. Um, then I found permaculture. And so through all of this, I was kind of questioning the way that we gardened, um, we look at gardening as it's, it's a lot of effort. We build a raised bed, we plant in a row of annual plants that we then harvest and eat, and then we rebuild the soil and we plant in those plants again in a subsequent year. It just didn't seem to make sense. It was so laborious. Mm. People were always complaining about, I'd love to garden, but I don't have the time. I would love to garden, but I don't have the energy. I would love to garden, but I don't have the funds. Mm -hmm. And I went, you know, like for me, I had to make gardening accessible because I was disabled. Mm -hmm. And so I found that a garden that regenerates itself was through building the soil, choosing the right plants, harvesting and catching rainwater and allowing Uh, like drought tolerant plants and creating a watering system so that I'm not out there every day, twice a day, watering everything, interplanting things so that the weeds are not taking over, Mm -hmm. accepting that some that weeds are wild plants, often medicinal, some like often edible, that offer Mm. us soil fixing capabilities that rebuild our nitrogen, that uh, bring in pollinators and um, insects. And so it was all those concepts that went, I can't do this level of work in my level of disability, but I want to have a big, lush and beautiful garden for the earth and for my own healing. And Mm. so now I do, and people can't believe that I never work on it. I mean, I really, I build these projects. I do the planning, I do the thinking, and then I go and I enjoy it. I go and I pick things I harvest That's awesome. That's I cool. I sit with the garden I when you were saying that the birds came in for the and they mm-hmm. ate the sunflowers those birds are also eating the aphids off their plants so exactly there mm-hmm. you know I I remember sitting there and planting I uh, had all this lettuce and the lettuce had all these uh, aphids on it and uh the, somebody was, you know, kind of freaking out about it and saying, I we got to get rid of all these aphids. You know, we can't eat the lettuce. And I said, just give it a minute. Like, just let's see what happens. Right. And I remember one day I was working in my studio and I heard chirp, 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 chirp. So I went outside and I took a look Mm -hmm. and there were these birds all over the lettuce, just feasting. You could just see them. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, I couldn't eat another one. I'm so stuffed. (laughs) They were, and they were chirping so happily. And I went out and I looked at my lettuce and it was just squeaky clean not an aphid to be seen and Mm. so i didn't have to do any work i got you know a beautiful food source and i got really happy birds that knew and told the rest of them that they could come back and eat aphids in my garden anytime because i was you know had a nice organic
1: garden for them to feast on we got that's what happened with us Uh, we got aphids and Mm -hmm. all the um little goldfinches came the goldfinches came and in, we love and they're them
3: beautiful oh they have oh. a beautiful
1: song too don't I they I love
3: them so much
1: so yeah that's that's i mean mm. that's the thing we had like a full ecosystem going and all these plants yes. native plants amongst every i mean it was just once it was like the native plants heard oh we can go over there now mm-hmm. it's yeah. safe now they yeah. clean their soil and i think that's something mm-hmm. that people get scared of is, oh, uh, soil, that means science. I, I, you know, so they'll go by, oh, amend or this, all the stuff, those big names that we know is really not good for the soil. And, you know, some things are, you know, naturally stuff, but, and then it's like, oh, we're buying chemicals to do this. And then you're wondering why there's so many dogs with allergies right now. That's one thing we see across the country is, animals with allergies allergies from going out in lawns going out in the garden and Mm -hmm. when did you see dogs have scratchy allergies all the time is at the same time maybe all of us humans are starting to get scratchy allergies from what's what's going on in what what chemicals we're putting out um in and we see it um one dog we were walking along the late with a lady and she was talking about how and it was in tampa i think um the city had gone in and done something to the water and the dog went splashing in both dogs got seizures mm-hmm. and almost died oh. Oh. over what was going yeah. on with the chemicals and so I just this is why I think it's so important what we've got families more at home together now you've got to make it healthy not just you know if it's not just about oh I grow a carrot and that's healthier than what we get from the store that's been trucked in from you know 2,000 mm-hmm. miles or beyond yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about how we are taking care of those lawns. You, every, People are giving their dogs, you know, actual human allergy pills. It's insane. Yeah, It shouldn't be like mm-hmm. that. It just, mm-hmm. it seems really weird with what's going on. And I know it's all chemical. I know it is. it is.
3: Well, it has to be. And, you know, I'm glad to see people, it seems to me that they're not so focused on one must have a big lawn. Now, yeah, I that's going if, yeah i I see that changing up, and especially where if you have kids and and you want them to have a, a place to play, a lawn makes sense it really does to you a just point. Want one. but you know they the used to be when you drove up and down streets everybody's houses almost looked the same, and they all had a lawn yeah. and it, you know and it's nice to come across gardens rather than lawns the, everything has its it's place, but I think when you have a neighborhood, it's lawn after lawn after lawn after lawn, you're calling the pest. Like in Yuma, uh, Arizona. They they did this, they they had peanut plants, farms of peanut plants. They can't plant them now because mm. they planted so many that the white fly came in and they couldn't get rid of the white fly.
1: And because, their lettuce crop was bigger, so they didn't want to get rid of their right. big. Lettuce.
3: Yeah, so they they really caused a migration of white fly into that community that took years to get rid of. And so they don't plant peanuts anymore. If they had interspersed the peanut plants, I know you can't harvest that way, you know, if you're trying to really make, I'm talking not about a a person's garden, I'm talking about a farm, basically. Uh, it, It does change things and it does cause problems. If oh you absolutely
2: don't and you know the thing is is that it, it, there's um part of why i wrote this book was so that it could sort of open up perspectives that mm. so it's not saying no to lawns i've no. got a recipe in here for a wildflower lawn um mm-hmm. so lawns that include mm-hmm. small low growing plants mm-hmm. my lawn i like having a little patch of lawn in my backyard mm-hmm. it's for my mm-hmm. dog and my mm-hmm and my children to play and we just we enjoy having that little space Um, but it's I've mostly replaced it with clover because Mm. here clover is such Mm. a beautiful plant it stays green most of the year it fixes nitrogen it has nice it has deeper roots not as shallow as as turf grass Mm. and uh, it's very treadable it's very forgiving they're selling now Mm. micro clovers as really really expensive seed mix like Insanely expensive, that wow. nobody could even afford it. But wild clover is wonderfully free, and just yes. will, will come in and plant itself in your in your lawn and mm. help to keep it green and beautiful all year round. I mean, With you understand.
1: <laughs> that's beautiful flowers. yeah with flowers mm-hmm.
2: and 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 understanding that our lawns don't um you know that w- we have to see them a little bit differently all that supplemental water that people put in the summer to keep them green mm-hmm. is actually harming those individual plants because those plants need to go brown in order to protect themselves they're sending all their energy into the roots going brown so that they're protecting themselves so that they can thrive again when they it's not so hot when they're mm-hmm. not under uh, so much heat stress mm-hmm. so, so again, just looking at the plants and asking them, what is it that you need? And are you in the mm-hmm. right spot? And am I working with you in the way that I can in order to not cause me stress and not cause you stress so that, you know, we can live together like, you know, grass grows in meadows and mm-hmm. grass grows in mm-hmm.
1: forests
2: and grass grows in all sorts of places. Naturally. Even in the so, desert. Yeah, even in the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how how do we, how do we include that perspective rather than it trying to look like a golf course, how do we look at how can we find that natural way of giving us the thing that we want if it's a lawn? But I agree like it brings in all these pests if we're just growing one thing and we're forcing Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> frankly we're exhausting ourselves <laughs> we're making yeah. it too much of a chore and
1: gardening should be joyful and fun. easy It
3: should be fun
1: it should be fun, fun. and I, I love this because it's, it's people can get going with everything and and not i don't i think that we spend so much and you don't have to spend so much to put a garden not really no you know it, it really, really. It, it's about how you do it and what you choose and it's fun and it's fun for kids to get out there oh, it's and start so good for to that. watch
3: it's so a healthy. cocoon
1: turn into a flower, a butterfly, you know, all of that, those stages of nature. Mm-hmm. Even the snakes are cool.
2: Oh, the snakes know. are great. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> good. <laughs> wonderful. They're wonderful creatures to have in our gardens. Yeah,
3: I know. You know, people are so afraid. I get because they're poisonous ones. But if you give them space, you know. Mm.
1: Well, since you are on Garden Gossip Show, we want some gossip. So (laughs) if you are going to be a garden sitter or a house sitter with a garden, obviously, anywhere in the world, like it could be a mansion, it could be a famous castle, it could be someone's house, it could be, if you could go anywhere for a weekend, just so you could have that experience of that garden and and the house, where where would it be or whose would it be?
2: Hmm. Well, I, the first thing that comes to mind is um, Sage Mountain Farm, which is, was the, um, the uh, sanctuary that was created by Rosemary Gladstar, who's an American herbalist, um, I'm sure you know. She's in the uh,
1: foreword of your book, yeah.
2: Yes, yes. And I've always wanted to go to Sage Mountain and um, uh, just just see the integration of medicinal plants and wildlife and preservation. I think that would be an amazing place to visit.
1: Mm, nice awesome. awesome. Mm. She did a wonderful forward too. She's like, this is the one gardening book that you need. That's it. Just get uh, it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I had, good, was, I had a good a lot of tears came out over that one because when, yeah, somebody who you've who you know you've read all of their books and you've, you know, is one of your heroes and influences uh is able to um read your writing and and stand behind it it's uh yeah it's there's nothing you can that's the gossip it's that (laughs) that's a feeling (laughs) that's awesome
1: that is awesome now do you have a facebook group or anything like that where people can connect and Do you do that kind of thing? I know you do classes, right? And and speaking engagements?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a great newsletter list. I send out an email every week. And the emails um, have a ton of ideas, usually lots of updates. I give a little bit of personal information on what's going on in my life or what's going on in the world. Um, So you can sign up on that on gardentherapy.ca on the subscribe page. So it's backslash subscribe. And it's mm. GardenTherapy.ca. So yeah. not sure, .com. Canadian. i <laughs> yeah. <Yes>. She's Canadian.
1: <laughs> She's a British Columbian. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, .ca. so GardenTherapy.ca. It's a great name for that too. I love that. So thank you so much for joining yes, us. It's been great. fun sharing some gossip with you.
2: <laughs> oh, it's been such a pleasure to meet you both. It's so fun to thank be you. on the show. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Everyone again, keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. We air daily except for major holidays, but sometimes we go, yeah, let's have a party. So keep up with our shows there. <laughs> Thanks so much.
0: Membership uh, fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second?